0: It's the North Shore Vineyard Church Audio Podcast. I'm Crispin Schroeder. Hey, today on the podcast, we have audio from our Easter service 2013. If you weren't unable to attend, we had just an amazing time there worshiping together and looking into the story of the resurrection. But you can always catch it next year. Hey, we got a few things coming up. Uh, women's retreat in a few weeks you can find out more about that on our website Uh, we got a guys paintball event this Saturday morning coming up and we are wrapping up our book drive this coming Sunday trying to raise 150 books for Head Start in Covington so bring some books uh, come out and join some of the events but for now let's head over to Easter 2013 North Shore Vineyard Church thanks for listening story via Luke chapter 24 1 through 12 and so I'm going to read it out if you got your Bible you can follow along with me or you can just listen starting in verse 1 of Luke 24 on the first day of the week very early in the morning the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb they found the stone rolled away from the tomb but when they entered they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Lord, as we look into the word today, God, I just pray your spirit would bring us into truth. Your resurrection life would overtake us, Lord, in Jesus' name. We get used to celebrating Easter in our culture, and it, it, it kind of has a familiar ring to us. I mean, even in, in, in America, whether you're a Christian or not, uh, it, it's something that is as is is much of a part of our country as is say Christmas and so we've we've heard the story over and over again and and so sometimes telling the story it seems to lose its punch but I want us to realize today that when we look at these scriptures the initial people that this happened to uh, it was nothing that they saw coming uh, as, as one uh, Bible scholar put it they were surprised by hope now uh, to, to understand this I want to hit it a little the the first century Jewish mindset concerning the resurrection and the afterlife. You know, if you go to a, a funeral these days, oftentimes you'll hear a, a pastor taking a scripture like John 14, where Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life. And the, and the pastor will many times say, and that's why we, we know that so-and-so is in a good place there with Jesus. Uh, and we've made the resurrection really about the afterlife, when really the resurrection, it's about resurrection, uh, actual resurrection physical, bodily resurrection. Now, the Jews, they they didn't have this... They, they had kind of a, a ambiguous view, a vague idea of the afterlife. For the Jews in the first century, there was a few different ideas that they had. One was that when you die, you just kind of go to this place like Hades, the, what the Greeks thought of, you know, this abode of the dead, and dead people hang out there. Uh, some, some Jewish people thought when you die, you just... You turn into to dust and, and that's it, into of story. Um, some thought that, that you would actually be with God when you died. But the Jewish view of the afterlife was very different from the resurrection. Do you realize that the first century Jewish people, they believed in a resurrection. But they didn't believe in the resurrection of one person. They believed that the resurrection was really what would happen at the end of the age. God would, would, would bring to life all of his children... Raise him from the dead. And that would signal that one era of history is over and a new era, a new age, has dawned. Now, under the standard Jewish view, this would happen when the Messiah showed up. And you can read all through the Old Testament, there's this expectancy, particularly when they're in captivity, that God would send a Messiah and he would set things right. And it wouldn't just be things right in Israel. It would be a, a removing of the curse of sin that we see all the way back in Genesis, Genesis chapter 3, if you haven't heard the story before, basically, God sets Adam and Eve in this garden to be uh, uh, his, his image bearers, His rulers and reigners on earth, that, that they would rule on behalf of God over all creation. And they give over their rule to the enemy, to the devil. And so... Uh, all of a sudden we see sin enter into the world and, and we see that, that as it has gone through history that these, the, the, this, this sin has, has taken over governments and, and, and it's, it's, it's infected everything. So that even love is, is twisted and perverted, even goodness is, is infused with pride so often. We find that that everything has been corrupted by this. But the Jewish people lived with this hope that the Messiah was going to one day come. And when he did, that even creation... Would be liberated. So you can you can see some scriptures in Isaiah where it talks about the trees on the field clapping their hands and, and the lion laying down with the lamb. And this this is language of of God setting creation right the way he intended in the beginning before sin uh, subverted his plans. And so the Jewish people they lived with this basic understanding, and if, if I'd have been if I was better at like PowerPoint slides, I would have come up with a slide for this. Um, we're not awfully high-tech when it comes to uh, media around here yet. Uh, but the Jewish understanding is basically the world right here is, is under the rule of, of God's enemy. And when the Messiah comes, it'll be a cataclysmic point in history where everything changes in a moment. There's the Messiah, resurrection, and now it's the rule and reign of God. But what are we to do with the resurrection Because instead of everybody being raised from the grave, it was one guy. Jesus Christ. And so you can see that that, that this was a a, a very strange idea, even to the disciples who'd followed Jesus around. Uh, There's evidence in the scripture that... uh, (laughs) <laughs> that even the, the women that came to look for Jesus, the, you know, the angels like why do you look for the living among the dead isn't it what Jesus told you about And they, I think that these women were probably feeling what most of the disciples were feeling like oh Jesus he's talking about this cross and this resurrection that's, that's probably one of those parable things it's kind of figurative language and here they are on Easter morning and, and he hasn't just you know literally I mean figuratively resurrected as some kind of spirit or ghost he's actually physically bodily he's he's a different kind of person now he's in a different kind of body uh the reports of jesus's body after the resurrection is that it had it could defy the the properties of physics a bit like we see him eating fish and bread but then we see that he can walk through walls how cool is that and so Jesus was resurrected. He wasn't just resuscitated. He rose from the grave as, a, as, a, in a, in a, as the first of a new creation. Now, Jesus, in his own ministry, he had raised several people from the dead. One of them being Lazarus, his friend. And you may have heard that story before. Lazarus was dead for four days. Jesus him, raises him from the dead. But Lazarus ultimately died again. <laughs> so... Even the people that Jesus had raised to, to life in his ministry, they would go on to die again. They were kind of resuscitated. Death was put off, but Jesus is the first of a new kind. He, he didn't just put off death. He wasn't just resuscitated. He defeated death. He has authority over death. Death has no place in him. Death has no dominion. He's the first of a new kind. So we see that the disciples... So I let the... Ambulance pass. Uh, we see that the uh, the disciples, the apostles, the first people around Jesus, that they they had to kind of reconfigure their idea of what all this would look like. And so now it kind of looks like a bit of an overlap. Jesus has been raised. The kingdom of God has come. God has vindicated Jesus by raising him from the dead. And yet the world still looks pretty much the same, with the exception of what happened to Jesus. Has the kingdom of God come in its fullness? Well, kind of. It's what we would call kind of an overlap. The, uh, the already and the not yet. It's already happened with Jesus, but we wait expectantly for it to come one day in its fullness. And so the expectancy of the disciples, in light of the resurrection, they had to reconfigure their whole understanding of what this, this whole uh, reign of God would look like. And so it kind of looks like an overlap. You got the you got the the kingdom of the world ruled by the enemy of God here. You've got the, the 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 cross, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the inauguration of a new age, but it overlaps with the old age until we get to the day where Jesus fulfills it all when He returns, and then there's going to be a resurrection of everybody. By the way, see, as a pastor. When we do funerals, we really, you know, oftentimes we, we want to comfort people with the comfort that your, 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 your loved one is, is with Jesus because Paul says to be absent from the body is to, to be present with the Lord. And heaven's important, but it's not the end of the story. I know this sounds crazy. It's, it's, it's the actual what everybody believes. In the New Testament, we will be raised again. God will raise our bodies up physically and we will inhabit a new place that he's renewed everything set right just the way that god had intended it in the very beginning so heaven's important but it ain't the end of the story the end of the story is jesus answers the prayer that we've been praying your kingdom come your will be done where on earth earth as it is in heaven you see that answered so One way of reframing this story, I think, that that makes the most sense in light of what Jesus was doing is is to look at it through the lens of the Exodus. Now, I said last week that Jesus could have come to Jerusalem any time to to go to the cross and and, and do the resurrection. He could have done that at any time. But he chose to show up to Jerusalem during Passover week. That would be like somebody, you know, I mean, if you you come to New Orleans during Mardi Gras, you kind of you have to plan on being here, because otherwise, you're going you, you to say, forget it. <laughs> Passover was, was one of the, the greatest festivals celebrated by the Jewish people. But oftentimes, I think as, as Christians, we kind of, uh, especially the Protestant evangelical variety, oftentimes we think, well, why didn't Jesus come on, on the Day of Atonement? That was the highest holy day in all of the calendar of the Jewish people, uh, when, when God atoned for the sins of Israel. He, he wiped the slate clean. Well, why didn't Jesus come then? Because Jesus had a Passover shape to his ministry. He's the blood, he, he's the, the Passover lamb that, that, that is on the doorpost of the universe, as I said last week. So, Jesus, I mentioned this last week, when Jesus institutes communion, it's on Passover. During the midst of eating the Passover meal and he's celebrating that meal with his disciples and he passes around a cup of wine and, and some bread. He says, this bread's my body broken for you. Now now imagine, the disciples had never had communion before. Jesus had never been to the cross, so they're probably going, broken body, okay, sure. <laughs> and Jesus passes around a cup, he says, this is the new covenant in my blood. And so, kind of like the Passover, instead of putting blood on the doorpost of a home to to have have the angel of death pass over, Jesus is saying, We're applying that blood to our hearts. The the judgment won't be upon us anymore. So, if you stick with the Passover narrative, if that's what Jesus was trying to communicate by showing up during Passover, dying on the cross during Passover week, then you have to ask yourself, What is the next logical step? What happened after the Passover for the children of Israel in Egypt? What happened the next day? They're free. They get out of Egypt. They begin the Exodus. And the Exodus, it lasted for some 40 years, but it was a miraculous time of God's provision. It was a time of, of God doing a, a, carving out a unique relationship with his people. He would feed them manna. Their shoes didn't wear out. It was an incredible time. But you know what? The Exodus wasn't the promised land. It was the journey to the promised land. I think the Exodus narrative really helps us as Christians. Because we, we who have responded to Jesus. We believe in the resurrection and life of Jesus. But yet we look at a world around us that doesn't look that much different sometimes. If Jesus really is king. Why do we have nations going to war? Why do we have sickness? Why do we have disease? Why do we have broken relationships and addictions? Well we're in the Exodus we're the people who've been awakened by God's Spirit, and we're, we haven't seen the, the final destination yet, but we're on our way because of what Jesus has done and who he is. It's a reframing of his history, and it will end when the Messiah returns and everyone is resurrected. Hebrews 2, verse 7 through 9 is a good example of, of this expectation. The author of Hebrews says, you made them, human beings, a little lower than the angels, yet you crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. In putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them, yet at present we do not see everything subject to them. So the writer of Hebrews is saying, God has, has put everything under the feet of human beings. It just doesn't look like that right now. But, he says in verse 9, We do see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. See, the the Jewish understanding was that, that, that human beings were created to be rulers on behalf of God in his creation. And this author is saying... That's God's plan. We don't see it right now, but we do see it happening with Jesus. And Jesus is evidence. The resurrection of Jesus is evidence that a new era has begun. A new age has dawned for the work of God. God's kingdom began breaking through in the ministry of Jesus, and the resurrection of Jesus, and we, we await that day where, where the kingdom will come in fullness. But it's already begun, and that's what we celebrate On Easter. The time for waiting is done. The time to start living the kingdom of God is right now. New Testament scholar N.T. Wright writes this. Jesus' resurrection is the beginning of God's new project. Not to snatch people away from earth to heaven, but to colonize earth with the life of heaven. That, after all, is what the Lord's prayer is all about. See, Jesus didn't go to the cross and the resurrection just so you could hang on and wait for him to get you out of here. He wants to unload heaven on earth. You can say amen or something like that. He wants wants his rule and his reign to come through your life right here where you're at, right in the midst of... Of a broken, messed up world. He wants you to live the life of the kingdom. And you can, not by positive thinking, but by the very spirit of God. That he's unloosed in your hearts. Unleashed in your hearts. I think a good analogy of this would be. uh, Do we have anybody, any Yankees in here? Anybody from up north? We still love you. (laughs) <laughs> you scared? <laughs> Get a rope. Uh, <laughs> Just need a clean house here real quick. No. If you, if you grew up up north, uh, like say Michigan, Minnesota, uh, Montana, they have this crazy frozen white stuff that, that, that comes down and it lands on the ground, sometimes in, in many inches, sometimes in many They call it snow. You ever heard of it? You might have seen it on TV before. I I think I saw it once in uh, New Orleans. But they got this, this stuff called snow... And sometimes in winter, you can get a whole lot of it, right, Nolan? Uh, You you can get several feet of it, and it starts coming at the end of November and piles up through December and January, and after a while, it just gets miserable. I have friends who are pastors up in Minnesota, and they said, you know, about February, like, they got to start doing depression counseling for people in the church because it's 20 degrees outside, and there's no relief (laughs) in sight. It's kind of like us in July down here, you know. Hang on. (laughs) But I I heard the story of a a guy who was uh, out walking his dog one night in in Minnesota. And he came upon a a flower. This is in March. And this flower was poking up through the crust of the hardened snow. And I think that's a beautiful picture of, of, of what's going on. See... You, if you're in Minnesota or Michigan, this time of the year, many places there's still ice on the ground, still lakes frozen over, but you can f- see the first signs of spring beginning to happen. The first signs. Now, those lakes are still frozen. It, in many ways, it still looks like winter is here, but, but see, the thing is they've had a few of those st- Thaws, You know, where, where the ice starts to melt a little. The ground gets muddy. The temperature may get up in the 60s. And there's a, just enough sunlight to get the process of life going. And so you can see, even in the midst of winter, you can see one of these flowers, or, or many of them, beginning to poke up through, through, the, uh, through the ice. The flower is saying, I'm going to live spring life, whether it looks like it or not right now. I'm going, to get, I'm going to get about revealing beauty and, and showing and pollinating and, and, and letting the process of life take over. I don't care if it looks like icy cold winter all around. I am living a different kind of life right now. It's spring life, even though it don't look like it outside. See, the same thing goes for us as, as people uh, of the resurrection, you know, in the world of Jesus at that time, Jesus was raised from the dead, but it didn't look that much different than it looks like when the clock strikes 12 o'clock midnight, right? You know, at 12 o'clock at midnight, you, you've gone into a different day. But if you look outside, it looks pretty much the same as it did at 1159. But you know you've crossed the threshold. A new day is dawning. The same way for That flower. It may not look like summer yet. It may not be flowers everywhere and bees everywhere, uh, but summer is coming. We don't have to wait for summer because the kingdom, it's now. It's here. It's right with us. See, the Jews thought that you had to wait for everything to be perfect before, uh, you know, the, the, very, the, the very objection that many Jews had to Jesus was, if he was the Messiah, then how come Jerusalem, how come Israel hasn't been set free from its oppressors? That's the argument that many Jews still have to to this day. Jesus can't be the Messiah because Israel is still not restored to its glory. If Jesus is the Messiah, then how come everybody's not resurrected? That's their objection. If you're waiting for uh, everything to be right, you're, you're going to miss it. See, that flower isn't waiting for, for winter to be over. That flower is not waiting for the cold weather to end. That flower is not waiting for the ice to recede. It's, it's, it's bursting forth with life. I choose to live resurrection life this day. I'm going to live by a different I don't care what it looks like all around me. See... What's interesting when you read the story, and I've I mentioned this on several occasions, if you read the stories of the, the early Christians, I mean, they were in a time of horrible oppression, horrible taxation. I mean, we complain about taxes in America. It was two or three times what, we, what the, the most of us pay in, in this room back in that time. They were under a horrible, oppressive regime. And yet, how many Christians, waste, you know, in the Bible, wasted any ink on protesting Rome? They didn't they weren't trying to boycott Rome or demand rights for Christians or or you know protest. The early Christians just got about living life under a new kind of king. You guys say Caesar's king? Guess what? We got another king and we're living his way now. We're not gonna we're not gonna waste our time trying to to fight you because we believe Jesus has already overthrown you. We believe that that Jesus has already he's already started a new kingdom. initiated a new way of life and and we're going to get busy doing that so you see paul in a prison writing most of his letters that he wrote that made it into the bible and he's not complaining about rome he's not the victim of rome he's the victor in christ see for the note for the early Christians, there was only one king that mattered only one king and that's jesus christ See, if you've surrendered to Jesus, you have spring on the inside. But you still live in an icy cold world. See, the thing is, we don't pretend as Christians that there is no snow. I know some Christians who try to do this. I've got got an awesome marriage, Lord. I've got an awesome marriage. I believe it. I got an awesome job. I'm not sick. I'm not sick. La, 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 la. There's not bad stuff happening to me. <laughs> That's denial, though. God's not calling... It. Resurrection life doesn't mean that we deny that there's bad stuff around. There's bad. All you got to do is turn on the news. There's bad stuff everywhere. It doesn't deny it. But it doesn't become the victim of it either. See... When we encounter sickness and disease in this church and, and death, we don't just passively receive it like, oh, sucks to be us. <laughs> we fight against it. We resist it. We come against it. We pray for people to be healed. And there's times where we see it happen. Sometimes it doesn't. But we, we keep praying and believe it. We don't, we don't accept that reality is, but we don't ignore what reality is either. We're living a different kind of life. See, we all have winter stuff. Maybe you came here this morning. Your winter stuff is you got a broken relationship with your spouse. Things are just heading south. Maybe today you, you've walked in here and you've got chronic pain in your life. You're just always in pain. Maybe for you it's, it's, it's economic hardship. Maybe you don't know if you're going to be able to, to, to keep your home or 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 your job or, or, or provide for your family we all got winter stuff and it's so easy to to look at the winter stuff in our life and to just use that as an excuse to to not engage in the resurrection life but god is actually and this is what i love about the church from the very beginning god does not rescue his people from hardship he gets them to live a different kind of life in the midst of hardship. See, God wants to get you already living the life of the kingdom, the, 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 the kingdom that started with Jesus and the, the, the future uh, fulfillment of it. He wants you to live that life right now, that you bear forth love. You show a different kind of thing. Instead of fighting your enemies, you love your enemies. Instead of running away in anxiety, you, you manifest peace. Instead of letting hatred consume your heart like your co-workers. You manifest forgiveness. Why? Because you got a different king. His spring's already broken forth. And you're living the life of his kingdom. Right here. Right now. That's what our world needs. And I think that's part of God's whole plan. You know. God actually said this. Jesus said this in his ministry. He said the kingdom of God. It's like yeast. In a lump of dough. Here's the thing about yeast. You put some yeast in some dough, you'll see the, the dough beginning to rise after a while. But you can't see what's going on, especially back then. They, they, had, they didn't even have microscopes back then. So it was very mysterious. You throw this stuff in here, and then it takes over the whole dough. And Jesus said the kingdom of God's like that. You see it expanding and affecting everything. You see this process of life moving throughout it all, and yet you don't know how it's happening. I believe that's the same for those of us who live the resurrection life. We've changed. The world around us hasn't changed. But God wants us to be ambassadors for him. Those who reconcile the world unto this king, Jesus. Now what's so cool about the resurrection is God doesn't... It's not some self-help plan. See, a lot of people think Christianity is... You just try really hard to be a good person. And if you're here trying to do that, just give it up, okay? God gives us his very spirit... When we say yes to Jesus, we say, God, I'm following you. God doesn't leave us on our own to just try to clean up the outside. Look, God ha- Jesus had all kinds of problems with the folks who were just cleaning up the outside. He gives us his spirit to live on the on- inside of our heart. You know, there's another flower I want to tell you about this morning. I, I wrote a song for my wife back when we got married. It was the most... Uh, Uh, intimidating song i've ever sung because i finished writing it like a few minutes before i went on stage to get married with her and uh but here's the chorus i believe it was a is a prophetic picture that god gave me when we when we first got married right before we got married you're a daisy in a crack sidewalk and, and I believe that was a picture that God said, that, that no matter how hard and inhospitable things look, you ever see a, a, a cracked sidewalk and, and, and it doesn't take anything. I mean, even the streets around Louisiana, I see stuff growing in the middle of the street sometimes. But you could take something so hard and inhospitable to life, but you get just a little bit of life in there, it grows out of a place of hardness desolation god brings forth his life and i i just believe that that's what god wants some of you to have today maybe where you're at today is not the most hospitable environment for life maybe you're going through it and i don't want to minimize that but the god i know he has resurrection life and he's in the business of bringing life out of the hardest most inhospitable of places that you can imagine Will you forsake your own ways and embrace this king? Will you let him be the Lord of your life? Not just Lord out there, but say, God, I, I, I want to I try a different way. Because, <laughs> you know, if you live by the ways of this world, selfishness, greed, lust, pride, you know where that takes you. Jesus Just like the children in the Israel, as they followed God in the Exodus story, God began to change their hearts as they followed. I can look back on my 20 years of journey with Jesus and my wife's uh, 15, 16 years. And we're different people. We're different people, and it's not because we're real good at this thing, okay? (laughs) It's not because I'm so good at loving people. It's not because I'm so amazing at at peace and, and, and I just don't ever get angry. No, I'm not good at any of that stuff. But the process of resurrection life has overtaken even some of that stuff. So I want us to close today by asking this question. What... Using this analogy of a flower growing in the snow. What flower does God want you to manifest in your life right now? What area do you feel that God is calling you to manifest resurrection life in right now? Maybe it's love. Maybe it's enemy love. You're having a real hard time. Maybe every night you can't sleep. You're up with heartburn because you're thinking about something someone did to you. Maybe God wants you to manifest resurrection life in that. Forgiveness enemy love maybe you're ruled by anxiety today god wants you to manifest resurrection life in the in the in the way of peace maybe god wants to bring forth joy in the midst of your sadness and your depression maybe you've been hung up in grieving for years and you just can't break out that's okay but don't be the victim of that any longer why don't you just close your close your eyes with me and I just want to close this with a word of prayer. Lord, I pray this morning for those who have said yes to you in the past, but who've gone off the trail a bit. Lord, those who have stopped living resurrection life and just gone back to live in the way the rest of the world does. God, I pray this morning that that would end, Lord. I pray for your life to become stronger than even the circumstances around God. I pray your life would break through, God. Break through the hardened ground, Lord. Lord, for those who have never followed uh, Never consciously chosen to follow you, God. I pray today, Lord, that that they can turn to you. To follow you as king and as Lord into the work that you're doing. You know, it's easy as following Jesus is just saying yes to him. Lord, I, I choose to turn my back on where I'm going and I choose to follow you. Holy Spirit, we just ask you to convict our hearts this morning. Lord, we invite you into our sadness. We invite you into our disappointments. We invite you into our anger and even the places where injustice has been committed against us. We invite you into those areas, Lord. We ask, Lord, for your resurrection. Resurrect this dead old places in our hearts, God. In the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray these things. Amen.